The limey and the yank are gonna rock your day All the way from England to the USA The great song debate from yesterday and today The limey and the yank are gonna rock your way Spreading the love, spreading the joy With the music we play The limey and the yank are gonna rock your day all the way from England to the USA The great song debate from yesterday and today The limey and the yank are gonna rock your way Spreading the love, spreading the joy With the music we play Hello everybody and welcome to the Limey and the Yank show. I'm the Limey. And I'm the Yank. And this time we're talking about Woodstock. It was half a century ago. It's 2019 now. And that was 50 years ago that we had the summer of peace, love, and joy. And everyone spread it. And it almost didn't happen, did it, buddy? Um, no, the amazing thing is the people that put this show together were professionals. They knew how to do this, and they started planning and building three years before. And yet, the closer it came to the show, just months away, the locals kicked them out. And they had to find a new place because the tickets had already been sold. And the next thing you know, they're throwing this thing together at the last minute. And it worked. You were so right. And the organizers were just kids at the time in the early 20s. And, uh, you know, to do that in your early 20s and make it into such a phenomenon uh, is unbelievable. And it took place in uh, Bethel, actually. They couldn't find a place in at the actual Woodstock. So Yeah, they did they'd originally looked at Woodstock and Saugerties. And, well, there was one that they signed a contract and they hired security, built the stage, uh, rented out all of the bathrooms that they would need, got the food stalls put up. They got everything out on the property and were building it. And they were estimating 150,000 people. And the locals suddenly said, you know, we don't like these kids with their long hair and their rock and their roll and definitely their drugs. And we're afraid. So you the were... concerned citizens in that local town passed a rule that said you could not have a performance larger than 5,000 people. And as soon as they did that, it made that festival completely undoable. And they had to just walk away from all of that. So true. Everything that you said, my friend, because the, the apparent last few concerts before Woodstock, there was a lot of carnage, uh, a lot of aggravation and a lot of nasty stuff happening. So the, the whole, uh, the whole com concern was to keep the peace, love and joy, which, which they did actually, because there was no, I don't think reports of, any violence uh, or basically any problems. I think maybe a few people had a bit too much of this stuff and that stuff. But overall, you know, with half a million people, they did unbelievable. Um, yeah, and, and you know what? I think it's important to get into the history of this leading up to this because Woodstock represented a lot of things. And it came at a time when young people were watching all of their peers get out of school, get sent off to war, and many of them not come back. And it was thousands of miles away. So it didn't make sense to most of these kids. This wasn't the same 
huge world menace that their parents told them about with World War II. So they're frustrated. They're disaffected. Other things in history are happening that are upsetting them, like the assassination of Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement getting underway, but not really getting exactly where it needs to go, partially due to that. Bobby Kennedy saying, we're going to get you guys, we're going to get you out of Vietnam. We're going to end the war. And then he gets assassinated too. So you have these kids that don't trust anybody. They don't feel like anybody's on their side and they don't want to go off to war. And at the same time, they don't want to be part of the status quo. So much turmoil in 1969. And uh, apart from great adventures like on the moon, but uh, overall, it was uh, a pretty tough time for the the baby boomers when they were kids. But um, talking about uh, the history of it, let's let's talk about some of the great uh, artists, the uh, the people that we knew or that were famous, and the unknowns too. It was yeah. right, but it made everybody famous, you know. From uh, I mean the the diversity of the songs and the music in those three days were absolutely incredible, you know. Uh, yeah, right it was the. I know they planned that day one was going to be acoustic, day two would be rock, but then they had a few ringers in there that weren't necessarily in one particular area, like Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, Those great. folks are soul and a little bit of funk, and they're just wonderful. Yeah, dance to the music. Let's hear a little bit of that to get everybody shaking it up. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention on this show, we have some of the... Um, <laughs> there's There's the music for Woodstock that everybody knows about, and that's what we're going to have to pull from. But if you are a real fan, there is a 10 CD box set of every single recording that they were able to save as raw as it was originally recorded. It's not prettied up at all. And it's just there for the taking, but it's 10 CDs. Which is amazing because some of the artists just did a couple of songs. Uh, Richie Havens did about nine songs and uh, actually uh, the Who uh, performed 24 songs in their set. If wow, you can I didn't that. realize they'd done that many. Good Lord. Yeah, but average in, I think they all came in. Uh, I think there was a list of maybe 15, 20 performers over the last three days. You know, Melanie, you know, Ravi Shankar. Um, he had his uh, sitar out. Actually, before he did his performance, he was a little bit scared because of all the mud flying and the amount of people jumping up and down. And yeah, it is. Up, if uh, you if you see any documentaries on the on the performance, there's lots of footage taken by helicopter or looking out over the crowd from the stage, and it just blows your mind to see four to five hundred thousand people all crowded close together. It really is worth watching. There was a PBS, the American Public Broadcasting, did a documentary this year about the show that's worth watching. And, uh, of course, there's the classic film that you can see, too, the Woodstock film. Oh, yeah. Hey, but before, what I, what I want to do, I don't want to interrupt you as far as playing a bit of that. I just wanted to tell you guys so that in that case, some of these artists were really trying to stretch the time because they knew this is three days and they had to make it kind of run as long as it could run. And Sly and the Family Stone, we've got a medley of them doing Dance to the Music, Music Lover, and I Want to Take You Higher. So we'll take a selection out of that medley and play that for you. Here we go.
I love it. And there probably was a lot of people getting higher too, pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> it was late at night when they went on and they said that it, it just all of a sudden people who were tired all day just got suddenly re-energized. They were just blown away by Sly and the Family Stone. Absolutely amazing. And just, so, I mean, just like a list of the people which, uh, I mean, which we all remember today, you know, um, Grateful Dead, uh Santana, which is still going, Carlos Santana, uh, Mexican-American, which uh, he came on with his band with uh, Soul Sacrifice. Unbelievable. Yeah, tell, tell us a little more about that. Well, you know, they, um, Santana's, you know, I've, I've seen him perform in England too. Uh, absolutely incredible live. And um, Carlos uh, has always kept Santana, but his groups changed over the years. The original group that played at Woodstock, uh, he's had a lot of changes, but he's always remained, a, you know, as Santana, not going solo. So we always kind of kept his group together. Now, from um, what I understand, when they showed up at Woodstock, they were one of those bands that I think we mentioned in our promo for the show. They were relatively new. Not a lot of people had heard of them yet. Incredible, yeah. Um, from uh, San Francisco originally, Santana, yeah. Another centerpiece of the hippie movement was San Francisco, yeah. So that's cool. And of course, they did this amazing performance. The Soul Sacrifice song is not short. I mean, it's just this long, stretched out thing, mostly instrumental. Oh, yeah. And talking about times of performances, what you were saying, um, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, he didn't go on till uh, 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. That was August the 17th. And unfortunately, most of the crowd had left, and there was only like 25,000 remaining. But um, he got his music and his point across. And yeah, but let's, uh, before we do that, let's play a little bit of Santana. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and let's that, let's play a little bit of Soul Sacrifice so that people can hear this. This is really cool. Okay, yeah. And to your point, uh, the thing about Hendrix doing the national anthem, which is now rock and roll history, I mean, it's a legendary performance, is when you listen to that, just listening to it in general is amazing because you're, you're hearing this freeform, wild sound that there wasn't a lot of heavy metal in the 60s. This was the birth of heavy metal, but that thing is so metal. That rocks out really hard. And he's just doing this wild, all over the map playing. So now imagine... It's the end of Woodstock. A lot of people have started to go. The last stragglers who don't want to leave, but they're exhausted. All of a sudden they hear this. And I have to imagine it absolutely blew their minds because it was the craziest thing anybody had ever heard. I'm going to stop you there, Yank. Somebody's got to stop you from talking. I know what you want to play, and that would be the Star Spangled Banner 
because you like to promote the American stuff. So <laughs> let me introduce the Star Spangled Banner, a little bit of that by uh, Mr. Jimi Hendrix. There we go. Yeah, you know, listening to that, it sounds like something from outer space. It really does. (laughs) You know what it reminds me of, actually? We had another show where we talked about Parliament doing a song, Maggot Brain, yee, uh, and it was another one of these freeform things where in that one, the guitarist was told to pour his emotion into that song, just to think about something and feel his way through the song. And I'm pretty sure Hendrix did the same thing. He just went, you know what? I'm going to go in here and I'm going to pour all of my, my love of my country, my frustration with the establishment, my desire, my hope, everything that's good about America and everything that's bad, all into this wild romping thing that every once in a while it falls apart and then it pulls itself back together again. He poured his heart and his soul into that. It was amazing. And I'm sure anybody out there that has seen it, you will never forget that because that was a absolutely brilliant performance. Sven the Fisherman sells the seven seas to catch the finest fish release. Sven the Fisherman sells the seven seas to catch the finest fish release. Sven the Fisherman. Hey, that's my salmon. I saw it first. No, it isn't. It's my salmon. You always want the biggest fish, you yanks. That's not true. Give it to me. Hey, stop fighting. Fight over the music, but don't fight over the salmon. There's plenty of salmon to go around. That's why I sail the seven seas to find the finest fish for thee. It's Sven, the fisherman. Hi, I'm Eric, the Viking. Sven sends me. Seven seas salmon is tender and delicious. It's packed with wonderful flavors and spices for each unique fish. If it's available at your local grocery store, ready to use and enjoy, it's convenient and simple, and the main ingredient is deliciousness. That's why Sven, my friend, he sails the seven seas to catch the finest fish for thee. Seven seas salmon is tender and delicious, packed with wonderful flavors and spices for each unique fish. Available at your local grocery store, ready to use and enjoy. Convenient, simple, and the main ingredient, deliciousness. That's why I sail the seven seas to catch the finest fish for the If you're looking for an in-depth, Detailed, academic analysis of the past, devoid of any comedy or entertainment value presented by an educated historian with a PhD. This isn't the show for you.
Hi, I'm Tawny Plattis, a professional voiceover actor who gives a very casual, very Southern Californian, and hopefully very comedic retelling of the sexy, scandalous, and salacious stories from history your teacher probably left out on my podcast, The Dirty Bits. Catch the show on tawnyvoice.com or anywhere podcasts are found. Chat soon, lovebug. And, and when you can see the footage of him, the documentary that they did this year, um, the cameraman is talking about sitting there trying to film this. And at the same time, his mind being absolutely blown at what he was hearing. Incredible. And I don't know if uh, a lot of people out there knew this, but uh, the Beatles were invited to perform. And apparently the reason why they said they couldn't perform is uh, John couldn't get uh, issued a, an American visa at the time oh. was still looking at his visa some people say that was the reason other people say it was because they were um he'd formed the uh, plastic ono band and he was busy working with uh ono and the plastic ono band but either i can way- see both of those being valid reasons because there was a lot of anti-youth anti-hippie sentiment and i could see the government saying hey, we're just going to hold his back as he's been a jerk but on the other hand, I could see he would be totally absorbed because they were starting to fall apart by that point. The Beatles were kind of not, they, they were slowly breaking up. That is so true because he broke up in the 1970s. So it was the uh, beginning of the end of the legends. But even though the, the Beatles didn't perform, there's a few artists which did perform Beatles songs. And of course, the main guy that did was... Come on, the Scottish dude. <laughs> it was Joe Cocker. That's exactly right. No uh, one will ever forget that because he took that song and he didn't just do a straight cover. He absolutely made it this crowd-pleasing, swaying, I don't know, it's just like, like the others. It's long and he just stretches it out with a lot of, a lot of love. Oh, put, talking about Jimmy putting his music... Joe Cocker put his heart and soul into that totally different rendition of the song, but absolutely brilliant. If you don't mind me cutting you off, could we have a little sample of Joe Cocker? And, uh, God bless Joe. He passed on just a couple of years ago. Yeah. But he shared with the world some wonderful music and what a great artist. Absolutely. Let's do that here. Here's a little bit of Joe Cocker doing I Get By with a little help from my friends. is great yeah and you know if anyone out there hasn't seen the documentary film of Woodstock unbelievable I mean it's just incredible and it did win I think it was in the 70s when they had the Academy Awards it did win for the best documentary film of that year it would have to because the event itself was just so mind-blowing to everybody and I say that because it really is amazing because at the time I'm not surprised it won the award. It blew people away, this event. 
And to be able to see it on the screen was a big deal to be able to see the actual happening because there hadn't been a 400 to 500,000 strong outdoor festival. Outdoor festivals were still kind of a new concept a few years before. It's what inspired the Woodstock. But at the same time, this thing was, I think one of the, uh, one of the people in the documentary by PBS made the point that all these kids lived in their own towns and they felt disaffected. They felt alone. They felt like they were marginalized and there weren't many other people like them. And all of a sudden, everyone around them more people than they've probably ever been around before in their lives were all exactly like them, felt the same way, thought the same things, had the same feelings. So there was this massive surge of, wow, I feel like I'm in a community. Exactly. Brought it all together in three days. And you know, something like 186,000 people paid for tickets. All the rest were freebies, man, because they ran out of money really fast. And they had a choice, the organizers had a choice of either building the stage for the performers or finishing off the fence to go around the huge crowd, which she had no idea that it was going to be half a million people or more. So they couldn't build a fence, so people just walked in, and it was free for most people. And unfortunately, the organizers ended up in quite a bit of debt, but... um, Boy, what they gave to the world was incredible. I have to say, it does amaze me because you get to see it unraveling and and hear them talking about it. And there's actually more than one documentary out there, by the way. But you get to hear them talk about the thing. And they know because they've dealt with large crowds and their organizers and their planners. They know what they're doing, even though they were young. They had experience with this kind of stuff. And they also did these fascinating things because they were planning this three years out. They would go out to stadiums and sporting events, concerts, whatever, and they'd watch the crowd and they'd make notes on how how many people move in what way. And they'd use that to figure out how much food do we need? How many restrooms do we need? How much security should we have? And all of that was really well planned. And then it was all thrown away and they had six months to redo it. So I can see why when they started to see the size of the crowd, they realized the most important thing is they needed to keep this crowd from getting hurt above all costs all literal costs. They said, okay, we're going to go broke, but no one's going to get hurt and they're all going to get fed. I know they ran out of food pretty early on and then they just had to start grabbing whatever they could. That's exactly right. They had to bring in a load of sandwiches for people because after the first day, people were running out of food. And I think there was a few births there too. Ladies had some babies there. I think maybe two or three actually. Yeah, there were. In fact, that that's another piece of it is that uh, and this is really kind of a fascinating story. I don't want to give everything away if you want to go watch one of these stories. There's still a lot to see. But these kids really felt like the government was against them. They'd already had police and the National Guard turn on them and fire tear gas and beat them and do other things at various protests. And some of those protests had turned violent the other way with kids throwing rocks and Molotovs. So it was really ugly and difficult. Well, here's this situation where they've got kids that are getting dehydrated. They're passing out. They're having trouble eating. They're getting bad drugs. They're having babies. They're getting hurt in little ways, you know, bang up a leg or whatever. And there's no medical supplies. And all of a sudden, these National Guard helicopters show up on the fringe of the concert. 
And I know the organizers were being very careful to make sure no one freaked out because I'm sure some of them expected that this was just a moment before the tear gas and the riot police. But what happened instead was they were bringing army medics. The National Guard for New York State brought doctors, brought supplies, brought equipment and helped everybody to run the medical tents. You, you look at the success of Woodstock 1969 and some organizers tried to bring it back and reheat that souffle again in uh, <laughs> 1999. But unfortunately... 94. Was it 94? Okay, I'll you do know that what? again. I think there may have been two. I know that the biggie that was covered on MTV was Woodstock 94, and that was really weird. It's It's funny because... They had some of the same problems that the original Woodstock did, like it rained and there was mud everywhere. But then they had those problems magnified because they didn't have enough toilets and they didn't yeah. have access to, to food and water, you know. But unfortunately, I have to say, if you look at the history of that one, there's not much because they closed it down very quick. There was uh, reports of rape and arson and uh, overall violence. So. You know, when you look back at the uh, baby boomers of 1969 and how they really wanted to spread the peace, love and joy and to get the social issues out and to speak not only as a vast crowd, but the people performing on making the world better. Well, you make a good point because 1994, 25 years later, there's not the same level of tension. The kids are not dropping out disaffected, frustrated. They definitely aren't getting, you know, fired on at Kent State. There's not that same amount of tension. And I'm not saying the tension is a good thing. I'm saying that history was an entirely different thing at the time. These, the, the kids in 1994 didn't have that same attitude because they didn't have that same struggle. And so to them, it was just a big outdoor festival like the ones they'd seen in the 80s and early 90s. It was the Us Festival. It was Nebworth. You know, it was Live Aid. It was all of those. And it really didn't end up being like that, did it? No, not at all. But uh, getting back to the uh, the legendary Woodstock of 1969, let's look at some of the other performers which perform, which people still love. Yeah, Grateful Dead. Let's see, the list goes on. Uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, which... Uh, unbelievable American band, I might say. What do you think is probably the biggest CCR song from that show that you'd like to play? Let's play, play a little bit of CCR. I think Proud Mary, but they've got hundreds, these guys. Pride Mary or about uh, Susie Q. Okay, pick one. Susie Q. All right, we'll play Susie Q by CCR. Very cool. Classic rock and roll with that southern feel. Hey kids, time to go for now. You crazy Kentuckian. The only good thing that come out of Kentucky was KFC. And bourbon. And thoroughbreds. And 
Corvettes, bluegrass music. Don't listen to that mad mank. We invented rock. We make it all better. Please join us next time on The Limey and the Yank. Yank.